Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you are having a blessed day. Uh, we will continue with uh, our teaching. And uh, yesterday, uh, you know, we were talking about the beginnings of the healing ministry of Jesus. And we will continue with this today and actually also the next couple of days because there's so much to uh, so much fascinating, so many wonderful things to be learned by watching Jesus, how he ministered to the people. And there's so many spiritual principles in there that can help us uh, in, in our own walk and help us in our own ministry as we minister to the sick. But uh, before I go into that, I want to share yet another testimony and story with you. And this is from uh, uh, a crusade, I well, a meeting in a Roman Catholic church in Gorshov, Wielkopolska in Poland, and this was many years ago. And uh, one night, uh, it was actually a one night event, and we had uh, we had lots of, I mean, the place was totally packed out. It was a very huge church, and the place was packed out. And that night, there were several people who were on wheelchairs who got up and walked, who were totally paralyzed. And and then there was, uh, but there was this young young boy, I think, seventeen or eighteen years old. Uh, who was still the same. It looked like nothing had happened. And so uh, his his family walked up to me after the service and said, Pastor, all these people have been healed, but uh, but uh, our son has not been healed. Uh, why? Or have we sinned? Have we done anything? Or what shall we do? I said to them, I said, you know what? Here's the thing, that God has heard us. You know, I said, when I prayed for everybody, I prayed for everybody, and that included your son, and several other people got up and walked. That means, that proves us two things, that Jesus is here, and secondly, that Jesus has heard us. Would well, you believe that? They said, yes, we have heard. I said, so now, what you do is this, you go home, and you thank God, and say, thank you, Jesus, that you have heard the man of God's prayers, and our son is healed. And I said, as you do that, as you keep on doing that, the Lord will continue his work in his body and you will see over time, your son will be completely well. They said, really? I said, yeah, just do that. Just thank him. Because if you doubt and question whether God has done anything or not, I said, it's like, it's like a woman being pregnant with a baby, but you abort the baby. I said, you know, I said in the same way you can abort a miracle by not acknowledging the word of uh, the work of the Lord. We must praise God and acknowledge the work of God, even if we cannot see it, because the fact is that Jesus has heard us and he is working, even though you cannot see it with your eyes. That's how I explained it to them. One thing good about the Catholics is that if you're a man of God, if they recognize you as a man of God, no matter what you say, they're going to believe you. So they, they, they believe me. So. Anyway, uh, I left and a year later, I was in the city of Poznan, I was, which was about an hour and a half, two hours away. And this family came to the meeting and they said, uh, brother, we have got a wonderful thing to share with you. I said, what happened? They said, well, uh, do you remember we are the family with that boy in Gorzhov? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember what happened. They said, well, we did what you told us to do. We kept on acknowledging God's work in our son's body. And we, we began to, instead of asking or praying, we just kept on thanking. And we said, thank you, Jesus, that you have heard uh, the man of God's prayers. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're working 
in our son's body and we believe that you are doing this miracle in his body right now we thank you jesus we thank you we thank you and he said we did that every single day every time we'd look at him look at him and think of it we did that he said it took a whole year but now our son is healed he's walking and what 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 how they described it was that his one arm is perfect the other arm is perfect one leg is perfect and the other leg is 99 percent perfect now i didn't bother to ask what it meant you know what difference there was but the fact is that he was completely healed and that's what i want to encourage you never give up never give up when you have prayed the bible says you believe that you receive it and you shall have it. When you have prayed, believe that the Father has heard and that he's forming, he's doing that thing in your body right now. Even when you, you know, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, a man sows the seed, but by itself, when the man sleeps or grows or goes to bed or works, whatever, by itself, the seed works in itself inside. And you know, the seed that is sown on the ground, it works and it first comes out a little, little, uh, what do you call it? A little shoot and you know, and all that. And it, it becomes a stalk and then the full corn in the stalk. And the, you know, and so you've got to look at it that way that even when we are sleeping, God is doing his work. So do not be discouraged, but believe God and trust him. Praise God. Now I want to continue today. And today I want to read to you that uh, famous scripture from Matthew 9 verses 35 to 38 and uh, and actually when the books of the Bible were written there were no chapter or verse divisions they were put in there by the translators so we're going to read the passage through to the first verse of Ma Matthew 10 so from Matthew 9:35 uh, and uh, you know there's 38 verses in Matthew 9 so 35 to 38 and then Matthew 10 1 which is the next verse and I'm going to read them together please listen and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd then said he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. And when he had called unto them his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits and to cast them out uh, uh, and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, this is very interesting because here is Jesus. He's going around and this is what he's doing. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he's teaching the word of God and he is healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease and he's casting out demons. He's doing these four things. And then uh, the people begin to come. And then it says, when he saw the multitudes, he, his heart really went out to them. He was moved with compassion because they were scattered and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So in other words, he was saying that this harvest too is so vast and I am the only laborer here. So pray that the Lord will send forth more laborers into the harvest. So he asked them, he told them to pray that the Lord would send more laborers into the harvest. 
more who would do the works of Jesus. You know, that's what he was talking about because he was the only laborer, only one who was preaching and healing the sick and casting out devils, preaching the gospel. And now he's saying that just, he says, these people, there's so many and I'm only one. It's not enough for the needs of these people. So ask the Lord that he would send forth more laborers into the harvest, more people who will step up and do what I am doing, do my works. And the next verse verse tells us, it's interesting because he tells them to pray in verse 38 and in Matthew 10, 1, he makes them the answer to his own, to their own prayer. He makes them the answer to their own prayer because it says he called his 12 disciples, the same people who he had told to pray that the Lord would send more labors into the harvest. And it says he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, there's several things that are very notable here. The first thing that is notable is that the harvest in this case are the sick. Often we think of the harvest as being the lost, which is true. That is the harvest. But here in this particular case, he's talking about the sick. Jesus wants to heal the sick. And, uh, and, and, and he, he, he looked at the harvest, the sick people were the harvest, and he was the only one there with the power of God to heal them. And he says, there are just too many for me, for one person. So pray that the Lord will send more labors into the harvest, that he will send more people with healing power in, in, to these people because there are more people needed who will do my works among these people. And then he, he called his disciples together and he made them the answer to that prayer and he sent them forth. But he, he, he prayed, he, what he did was that he gave them the same power that he was operating in. It says he gave them power. So the same power that he was operating in, and he gave that same power to his disciples that they could cast out devils and they could heal the sick. So that's the, that's the first thing uh, I want to point out that the harvest is, uh, is plenteous and the harvest in this case are basically the sick. And so Jesus cares for the sick and that is why healing is so important. It's a part and parcel of the gospel. Healing of course doesn't guarantee eternal salvation, but think of it, healing, miracles actually open the door for people to be saved. Miracles are God's business card. They are God's dinner bell. They tell people that Jesus Christ is alive and if he can heal my body, certainly he can save my soul. So miracles are important and also miracles are an outward manifestation of the great compassion and the mercy that Jesus has for the sake. So that's why we must we must realize how important miracles are in the work of the gospel and we must strive for Pentecostal power. We must contend for Pentecostal power and not relegate miracles to something unimportant. It, they are very important in the eyes of God because they touch people's lives and they set people free and Jesus wants to set them free. So the first thing is that the harvest was all the sick people in this case, in this case. Uh, of course, in a general sense, uh, don't misquote me, in a general sense, yes, it is the lost, but in this case, miracles, uh, I mean, the harvest are, are the sick. And that's the first thing. And the second thing was that he, 
you know, the harvest for the sick people. Second thing, he had such compassion on them that it necessitated that Jesus should multiply his own ministry through his disciples so that they could go forth in his power and do miracles through his name. So he multiplied his ministry through them. In the same way, Jesus sends us out to the harvest to win the lost, to bring them to Jesus, bring those that are lost to, to Calvary and to heal those that are sick. And he gives us his power and his anointing to go forth and do the works of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus said in verse 12, he said, he who believes in me steadfastly shall do the same works that, that I do and even greater things than these shall he do because I go unto the Father. So Jesus wants us to go out and do the works that he did. Now, of course, he said about that greater things than these shall we do. What are those greater things? I honestly wouldn't know. All I know is that I'm too busy trying to do the works of Jesus. I want to do the works of Jesus. And when I've done all the works of Jesus, I will let you know what the greater things are because right now I don't know. I'm putting my heart and my faith out to doing the same things that Jesus did on his earthly walk. And that is what we should be contending for, my brothers and sisters. We should be contending for Pentecostal power and not withdrawing into a shell and make excuses why God sometimes doesn't heal the sick. If you spend your, your life or your time, waste your time doing studies on why God doesn't heal the sick, I can tell you one thing, you will not see many sick people healed in your ministry. But if you contend for Pentecostal power through the word of God, through prayer, through seeking the face of God, believe me, you will be so busy doing the works of Jesus that you won't even have time to think of, of such things. But anyway, so that is the first scripture I want to share with you. The other scripture is, uh, is this is, this is interesting. This is when John the Baptist was in prison and, uh, you know, he has done this ministry and he was the forerunner and he says, uh, I'm the voice that cries out in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord. He knew that, you know, I must decrease, he must increase. His whole, whole ministry was about Jesus. It was not about his ministry, but it was about Jesus, pointing to Jesus. That was the ministry of John the Baptist. And, and, and I pray that you and I should have that same mindset, that it's not about you and I having a ministry, a healing ministry or a miracle ministry. We are not the beginning or the end of it. Our ministry should be a ministry like John the Baptist when we point to Jesus, when we can say that uh, I'm a voice in the wilderness saying, crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. And so that we can say, I must decrease and he must increase. And that's, that's the greatest kind of ministry we can have on this earth. When we look at our ministry, not as a thing in itself, and it's not about our ministry or our success or whatever, but it is about we are men and women full of the Holy Ghost and our main purpose in life is to point people to Jesus. Hallelujah. He must increase and we must decrease. So anyway, uh, now John is in prison just before he was ex executed. And then he said, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Why did he do that? I don't know. Maybe he was questioning and that is a human thing that have I, have I really run my race right? I've, I've done that many times. Looked back and thought, God, 
tell me, Lord, have I, have I done it right? You know, and I want just to, I just want to make sure, even if one part of me knows, I just want to be sure. And John wanted to be sure. And he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus, Jesus, are you the one? John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one or do we look for another? And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. These are the signs that tell the world who Jesus is. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That alongside the preaching of the gospel to the poor, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised up. Hallelujah. These are the signs that point to Jesus Christ, that our message is true. And then, um, then it says, after that, we read in, in Matthew chapter 14. And then when John is beheaded, uh, they beheaded John in prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took, the, took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. The disciples of John went and told Jesus that um, John had been killed. It's interesting to see the reaction of Jesus because Jesus had just lost the, you could say the only person who really understood his ministry because even his own mother didn't seem to really understand what he was all about. I mean, the angel had said to her, you shall have his son and you shall call him his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. And yet when Jesus was preaching, she, she, she had doubts. She thought he was making a fool of himself. Remember once she came with her, the children she had with Joseph and, 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 and came to fed Jesus because they thought, you know, he was becoming an embarrassment and Jesus, and they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mother, your brothers and sisters are here. And Jesus told them, Jesus said to them, he said, who is my mother, my sister, my brother? He who does the will of my father is my mother and sister and my brother. So, so Mary didn't really quite understand the ministry of Jesus. And, but John was the only one who did. And so now the only one who really understood the ministry of Jesus, who had actually devoted his life to, to pointing to Jesus, was now dead. And Jesus' reaction is this. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. So Jesus, uh, you know, he, he felt that grief. I, I believe he felt that sorrow and that grief. And, 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 and because of that, he told his disciples, he said, let's go to a quiet place where we can be our, by ourselves and we can grieve. I can imagine how he must have felt. But when he went there, this is what happened. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. When the people heard that Jesus was going away somewhere, they followed him there. I mean, he just went there to be alone, but they followed him there. And it says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and moved with compassion towards them. And he healed their sick. So this was Jesus. I mean, I can, I can just imagine the 
the emotions going through him. He had lost this one man who had baptized him, the man who the only one who really, really understood his ministry, the one who was his forerunner, who was the one, the one who pointed at him and said, this is the son of God. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And now he has been killed. So Jesus wants to be alone. But the people come to him. The people won't let him go. And they come and they surround him. And what does Jesus do? His heart is filled with compassion and he begins to heal them. He healed their sick. He healed their sick. And that was in a way, I like to look at it this way, that that was his way of giving back and retaliating at what the devil had done was by healing the sick. And then when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said to them, they need not depart, give them, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And anyway, then comes the next miracle. All these people had followed him to this place where he wanted to grieve and he healed them all. And now they were hungry. It was evening and the disciples came to him. They said, Lord, what do we do? And the Lord said, feed them and said, Lord, we have nothing. But here's a little boy. He had five little bread rolls, two little fish. And Jesus said, bring it to me. And um, and he says, looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled and they took of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And there they had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So there was this one, again, this wonderful miracle that followed these healing miracles. But, but the striking thing about this miracle of the multiplication of the bread and the fish, although it's not a healing miracle, but I, do, I want to point this out, that Jesus is the one who blessed and who broke the bread. And after he blessed it and broke it, he gave it to the disciples and the disciples handed it to the people. And the multiplication of the bread and the fish took place not in the hands of Jesus, but it took place in the hands of the disciples. Did you get that? Jesus took the bread and the fish and he blessed them and he broke the bread and he gave it to the disciples. But from the time when the disciples received the bread and the fish to, from Jesus, and when they handed it to the 5,000 men plus women and children, the multiplication took place in their hands. And that is the thought I want to end with that Jesus has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. He has spoken. He has blessed his word and he has given it to us. And when we take that word, we take the, that miracle from him, those, his Holy Spirit, we carry it. And when we carry it and give it to the people, the miracle, although the miracle is done by Jesus, the actual miracle, the actual multiplication takes place in our hand, in our hands. And that's why our hands are blessed hands. Hallelujah. Look at your hands and say, my hands are blessed hands because God is the one who speaks the blessings, but he hands it to me. And when I hand, hand it to the people, that's when the miracles take place. Jesus died on the cross, purchase healing for us on the cross of Calvary, but it tells us you shall lay your hands upon the sick 
and they shall recover and the, but the actual miracle takes place when we go forth and lay our hands upon the sick. Jesus does the miracle, but they take place through our hands. What a blessing it is to serve the living God. What a, I mean, believer, beloved, you and I are part of something fantastic, something greater and beyond comprehension. Hallelujah. So let us receive it by faith and walk in it. Let me pray for you before we end. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I thank you for your home upon every, your hand upon every home, every family, wherever in the world they are who are hearing this. Father, I ask you to touch them. I ask you to bless them. If there's any sick people in that house, I speak health and life to you in the name of Jesus. I curse those blind spirits and deaf spirits and uh, spirits of paralysis and infirmity, every kind of disease, sickness and infirmity. Leave them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask you to flood their homes with blessings and life and health and faith and all good things that you have for us. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. That's it, my friends. We will continue talking about the healing miracles of Jesus tomorrow. Uh, God bless you. Keep us in your prayers and we are praying for you. And remember, when you hear friends around you, a lot of people are suffering, people are sick. Just remember to stop everything you're doing and pray for your friends. The Bible says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Let's take and stop because we are all at home. We are all under lockdown. We, we are not going anywhere. This is, these are great opportunities for us to pray for people and to minister to people and time to invest your life in prayer and in the word so that you can grow. And my, my dream is that all of us will be mightily used by God to touch the lives of people, to win souls for Jesus, to heal the sick and cast out devils and do the same things on earth that Jesus did. God bless you.